Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grad Life podcast, where we chat with a range of people throughout their careers so that we can give you the best insights possible that you can leverage for your own career. You'll notice that I don't have a wonderful Irish accent, and that's because I'm not actually Mark. I'm Ollie, co-founder of Grad Life, and I'm really, really excited to be doing my first podcast for Grad Life with the wonderful Polly. Um, I wanted to get Polly on this podcast because she's had a really interesting career. She's had experience job hunting both in the UK and in the US in multiple different sectors. And she's also an excellent networker, which I think is one of the most important skills to have in the modern, modern working world. So hi, Polly. Hi, Ollie. Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. It's great to have you here. Polly, why don't you just spend a minute telling us what you're up to right now uh, in terms of your working life? And then I'd love to dig into how it all began kind of from when you started university. Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. Um, my name's Polly, as Ollie said. Um, so that's going to be confusing for this uh, episode. You have to listen out to the Ollies and the Pollies. Um, so I'm currently based in San Francisco, California. And I have been working with, a, with some different um, education technology startups for the last uh, four years that I've been in the US. And right now, I'm actually embarking on a new adventure um, as an independent consultant um, to work with education technology companies and pursue a lifelong passion of being a writer. So it's a really exciting new time, um, but also a time when I'm going to be back, you know, in that job hunting mindset. And so um, a great opportunity to reflect on uh, some of the things I've learned about job hunting over the past uh, decade, really. And uh, I hope give a couple of useful bits of advice for those of you out there thinking about making those first steps um, in your own careers. Yeah, and that's actually a really interesting point you made there. I remember as a teenager thinking, oh, by the time you're you know, 25 or 28 or something, you must have had it all figured out. But I think what, what you learn as you slowly get older is that you kind of never have it figured out and you're always kind of trying to work things out. So I think it's quite humbling for, for students to listen to this and to see that even though you are a couple years in or, or more than a couple years after graduation, you're, you're still kind of figuring things out. No, absolutely. And in a way, I hope I'm always going to be figuring things out because that means that I'm changing and I'm challenging myself. And I think that, you know, I realized that for me personally, um, getting the job, which I'm on a track until from 22 to 65, where I know exactly what each next step should be, was actually not really exciting and appealing to me. I know for some people that's the perfect choice, but I realized that wasn't me. So um, I've chosen, you know, a more unconventional path, a more entrepreneurial path. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's fine not to have everything figured out. Um, in fact, I'm kind of happy about it. That's, that's awesome <laughs> and very inspiring to hear. So you mentioned a lot of words like education technology and as a fellow, a fellow ed tech person that resonates <laughs> with me, but for a lot of listeners that might not make so much sense. So why don't, why don't you take us back to wherever you'd like, maybe university and kind of talk us through what you essentially talk us through your career journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to the University of Manchester and I studied English literature and drama. And really, I chose uh, those subjects just because I loved them. And I didn't really uh, know what I wanted to do after university. Um, but I knew that I was passionate about both English and drama. And I wanted the opportunity to pursue that passion. Um, and I also just fell in love with Manchester as a city. It's an amazing place. Um, I had a fantastic three years there. And so 
you know, I was there um, and then I, you know, graduate at 22 and didn't really know what I wanted to do. But one uh, piece of university that really um, had a huge impact on me was the opportunity in my third year to do a course called Theatres in Prison. And this was um, actually one of the reasons that I was also really attracted to study English and drama at Manchester was because of this Theatre in Prisons course, where you got the opportunity to develop um, a series of drama workshops to be run with individuals um, who are currently within uh, in prison. And as part of this course, you could choose whether you went to a men's prison, a women's prison, or a um, or a prison for under 16 year olds. And that was actually where I ended up doing this week placement, which was really eye opening. And I think, you know, one thing that really I came away from that experience um, with was the feeling of how much the education system had not been able to support um, these young people. Um, because in, in addition to facing some real challenges in their family lives, of course, you know, um, it just felt like something had gone really badly wrong that they ended up in prison at such a young age. And also with the adults that we met as part of this course, again, lots of them had stories of dropping out of school and, you know, or not, or not feeling like they had anyone to support them during their kind of time at school. And, and that was one of the many factors that might have put them on that path um, to, to prison. So, um, you know, very eye-opening, very heavy, very dense. Um, and that really was one of the main things that motivated me to apply for Teach First, um, which, you know, for those people who are not familiar, is the uh, leadership development program, the graduate scheme, uh, where you get trained as a teacher and you get the amazing opportunity to work within a school uh, for two years or more. Um, and the schools tend to be, um, you know, in traditionally under-resourced schools or um, schools in urban areas, for example. And um, I was fortunate enough to get to teach um, at Chelsea Academy, an amazing school um, in central London. And I was an English teacher. So that was kind of the start of my career. And that's, that's well, thanks for starting it off very light. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and had kind of 18 year old Polly been mm -hmm. told that she might be a teacher in four years, how would she have responded? I think 18 year old Polly would have been shocked, um, confused. 18 year old Polly wanted to be an actor um, mm. or something in theater. So I think that would have been confusing. Um, but I think that I always did have a, a strong feeling around kind of social consciousness and, and a desire to want to have a positive impact on the world. So I think on that, on that stance, I think 18 year old Polly would have been uh, excited as yeah, well fair play mm -hmm. yeah sure. and, and and it also sounds it's interesting a lot of people i speak to mention that what spurred them for the at least the start of their mm -hmm. career is a certain experience they had and it sounds like for you this um you know prison experience for a week with under 16 year olds was fundamental to you end up teaching mm -hmm. so i guess there's a kind of nugget of wisdom in there for university students which is essentially like try out a bunch of different things to see what resonates would, would you agree with that or want to add on to that yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think definitely like try different courses, try different experiences. I think um, push yourself out of your comfort zone. And one thing, you know, 
I was really pleased I did do that particular course that was hugely impactful but there are other experiences at uni that I didn't take advantage of and I now regret for example study abroad um and so I think that you know university is this amazing time you get this three years where really the key goal is to learn about yourself learn about the world take on new challenges and new opportunities and so I would yeah I would say kind of uh, take advantage of as much as possible. Don't hold yourself back um, because, you know, whether those experiences end up being life-changing or not, you're probably going to learn something from them and you can, you know, and that will help you grow as an individual. It, it's so interesting, isn't it? I remember going to university and my course had an option of either three years or four years. And the four-year course was with a year abroad where I went to America to learn how to speak American, of course. Um, <laughs> and and I remember like that I told myself such a compelling story about how even though going a year abroad is great and you learn a lot and it's fun, et cetera. I also was so terrified because I would be a year behind my fellow like students who were in my year. And for me, like that 365 days was a huge deal. And again, as I've kind of entered the twenties, like one year, three years, five years, like it makes no difference whether you're 32 or 37. So I just, it's interesting now for me to, to, to think how ridiculous it was for me to be worried that I'd be one year behind my fellow students, who some of whom ended up taking like a four-year gap year after university. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's easy to fall into that mindset that, you know, you, you're going to fall behind and you have to do the same thing your friends are doing and kind of get a little bit swept up with the crowd. I think for me, one of the reasons I didn't pursue study abroad is... Um, it came at the time of having to make a decision about who you were going to live with in your second year of university. And, it, and I think there was a real kind of social worry about being left out as well as a fear of, well, that am I going to be a year behind graduating to everyone else? And so, um, but now, like you're saying, I look back and I think, wow, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a real fear. That wasn't something I should have been worried about because, you know, you're always going to, uh, find a way to figure it out. And and my friends who did go on study abroad, many of them say that was the best part of their university experience. Mm. So, Yeah. And that's, and, and, and another question was teaching something that a lot of your friends did because I'm, you're, you're someone who's quite, mm. um, who's like willing to defy the norms, uh, so to speak. And, and like, I'm just curious into how you managed to, if it is the case that, not many of your friends went into teaching and a lot of them might have gone into acting or, or whatever else. Like, how did you manage to kind of hold your own and not kind of blend into what all of your friends are doing? Because I noticed that I had those temptations and a lot of people I speak to and kind of coach and mentor have this very strong urge to, to just blend into what their friends are doing, whether that's finance or, or something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had, you know, I think some of my friends from secondary school, one of my best friends actually uh, did teach first as well. So I, um, and is a teacher, but certainly my friends from university, most of them, particularly as I had done English and drama, and a lot of my friends were, were in drama, did pursue careers in the arts. And I also thought about that a lot, and it is still a real passion. And I think one of my real struggles at 22 was feeling like whatever choice I made was going to define me. And I remember for a long time, I was worried to say, I'm a teacher. And instead mm. I'd say, I'm on teach first because I was, was worried about labeling myself and also, you know, feeling a little bit like, Oh, a teacher, is that really boring? Is that not cool? Like, mm. you know, and, 
then the more that I sunk into teaching and the more amazing people that I met through Teach First, but also within uh, Chelsea Academy School I was working in and how inspired I was by them and their dedication uh, to the students and, and to their subjects, um, I started to, you know, become really proud to be able to identify myself as a teacher. And I found that confidence to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm only 23, but I am a teacher and I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and as a teacher, like doing that career for, mm. well, two plus years, mm-hmm. what do you feel like you learn as a classroom teacher? And, and for context, teaching in teach for schools is often quite challenging because you do have um students from 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 more challenging backgrounds um so what do you feel like you learned there that you might not have learned had you done another career for a couple of years after university so i think one thing that's amazing about being a teacher um particularly like on a program like teach first where you're really uh you just for this background you get a six weeks training um in something called the summer institute and then really from day one you are owning um your own classroom and you're teaching uh almost a full timetable and it's really you up there and these you know students education depends on you doing a good job and so that can be terrifying. a lot of prep <laughs> absolutely terrifying um And I think we all have memories of being in whatever kind of schools we went to. We all know that we, we can all be tricky as teenagers and we can all um, spot a teacher who's feeling insecure and and have a little bit of fun there sometimes. And so I think, you know, you're coming in with all of your worries of, am I, you know, are the kids going to take me seriously? Are they going to respect me? Am I going to be able to help them? Um, And I, I think it is a job that gives you more responsibility in your first week than I think really almost any other job would. Um, And I think that you learn so much from taking on that kind of responsibility and you have to be a leader and you have to, um, you know, you have to, you have to make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes and then you have to learn from them and you have to get better. And, um, and you get this, you know, incredible opportunity to really have a very tangible impact um, in a way that I think friends who went into other careers didn't necessarily get those opportunities in their early 20s. Um, and so I think that that experience was incredibly humbling um, and also taught me a lot and gave me the confidence in my later 20s to, to kind of reinvent myself and to try a different career uh, within right. um, education technology because... And uh, many times uh, I've ended up now in a, in sort of account management or sales jobs. And I've had to give big presentations to university leadership. And every time I get nervous about a presentation, I just think back to some of those uh, Friday afternoon double yeah. periods oh, God. Um, with a tricky, <laughs> you know, year nine group. And I think, well, no audience, no presentation can be harder than keeping, you know, that group engaged and, um, and so that that kind of gives you a confidence um, that I that I think few other jobs uh, can. Right. In, yeah, I feel I feel like we're really selling teaching. And, and <laughs> if, anyone's, if anyone's asking, Teach First is not sponsoring this podcast. But yeah. Teach First, if you're listening, we'd be more than willing to to have a conversation with you. So, yeah, Polly, yeah. you you're teaching for a couple of years, mm. and at what point do you start kind of getting those jitters where you're feeling, okay, it's kind of time to move on. Just talk us through that, that mental process and how you decided to make that jump into, into kind of 
your next, the next phase of your career? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think, honestly, um, it, it, I think it was a, you know, it was tricky for me, as I said, sort of even at the beginning, struggling to maybe identify as a teacher and, and feeling like, yes, um, teaching satisfied a lot um, of what I was looking for. Uh, obviously, didn't mean to sell it too hard there, um, but it is fantastic. Um, but then also there were other parts of, of my, uh, you know, identity that didn't feel completely fulfilled and, and kind of that entrepreneurial spirit, the, the, cre- the kind of um, artistic, creative passion. Um, and for me, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to move to Boston, Massachusetts with my partner um, who was doing a a PhD there. And so I had a very um, kind of tangible moment uh, to redefine my career because I, you know, moved to a whole new country and found that my qualification weren't actually recognized. And so this really um, forced me to- Your teaching qualification, you mean? Yes, exactly. So my teaching qualification was not recognized in the US in the public school system. Um, Yeah. So this was a real, um, you know, a real moment of thinking, okay, well, look, how committed am I? Do I want to to retrain or do I want to teach in, um, you know, teach in a different kind of school where maybe you're able to teach without formal teaching qualifications or do I want to do something different? And so I kind of um, had that moment of self-reflection and realized that I wanted to, to try new things. And so I became really interested in education technology because I know that, uh, you know, my passion around kind of social impact and education hadn't changed, but just, I wanted to kind of approach it from a different angle and learn new things and, uh, Cambridge and Boston, Massachusetts, um, there's a lot of education technology companies there. It's a real kind of education uh, center of the US because you've got universities like Harvard and MIT. And so really it was kind of just from being in this ecosystem and starting to learn about these companies and kind of uh, putting myself out there, going to these like networking events. And that would be something which I really would encourage anyone to do is, you know, websites, like Eventbrite or like Facebook groups, um, finding kind of events in industries that you're interested in and just going and talking to people. Um, And that was how I, um, you know, realized that that was the industry I wanted to be in. I wanted to work in startups. I wanted to kind of, um, and I wanted to work in education technology startups. Um, And actually I, it was at one of these events that some, I was, that somebody said to me, have you ever thought of working in sales? And I was like, no, never thought of working in sales. You know, I had all these kind of preconceived ideas of what yeah. a sales Car person had to be right? like. Ripping yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, what, you know, what do you mean? And then they were like, well, I think you'd be really good at it. And so I thought, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, at this point I was having a lot of um, rejections. Um, I hadn't, it's tricky when you move countries, but for any people who experience that, um, or whose parents might have experienced that sometimes, you know, as I mentioned, qualifications aren't recognized one place to another. And so, you know, it was just that moment where somebody said, have you thought about sales that really sparked something different in me? And, um, and you know, did more research and then started applying to some sales jobs. And that was how I found my way to my first uh, ed tech startup. Right. So 
so that's that's pretty terrifying like you you fly to a new country uh you know one person who's your partner <laughs> but you're and you know you've got you've got great experience teaching but the qualification is pretty much meaningless and you kind of just have to figure it out which is kind of in some ways even more terrifying than graduating university because at least you might have a network and friends and family and things and that key word you mentioned which is one of my favorite words in the world is is networking and i I cannot emphasize enough to anyone who I work with the power of networking and doing it right. And I feel like as a word, it's, it's got this kind of um, not very nice connotation to networking. Mm -hmm. When I think of networking, you, you think of like awkward room where everyone's in suits and you're kind of, there are people coming around with trays and you have to make small talk and you're like looking for excuses to end the conversation. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to go uh, to the uh, uh, toilet. And then, you know, it's, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, again for people listening how firstly how do you even think about networking what's your mental model of networking and and what tips would you give in order to network effectively in order to be kind of authentic in your networking which is so important yeah definitely um yeah just to kind of highlight that point i think even just the mindset you have to networking is so important i used to be really turned off by the word uh when i was at university and even when i was on teach first and um you know, starting my career because I thought it was, you know, nepotism and I thought it was just like helping out your friends and all a bit, um, yeah, a bit, you know, un unpleasant and strange. But then I realized um, that that's not the case and that actually what networking should be at its heart and when it's done right is it's about trying to empower people. It's about empowering yourself mm. and it's about empowering others. And it really, you know, I think can come from a really positive place where you're trying to help other people out and other people are trying to help you out for a kind of a, to create more collective success. And, mm. um, and so I think that first of all, you've got to really um, approach it from a place of, of strength and positivity, not feeling like, Oh, I'm just, you know, Oh, it's really awkward or embarrassing to ask for a favor. No, it's not. People often want to do other people a favor. Mm. And actually um, in one of those sort of weird serendipitous moments of life, when I was on this plane on my own to Boston, I was sat next to a, a professor and he was, uh, he told me a great piece of advice, which was don't ask people for a job, ask people for advice because people love to give advice. Right. Um, and so that was a great piece of advice. So I think when you're trying to be authentic about networking, you don't have to kind of reach out to someone and say, Oh, do you have a job for me? Um, mm. Because you might not even know what, you know, the job really is or, but maybe as a starting point, just asking some people for advice saying, Hey, this is my situation. These are some of the things I'm interested in. Could you give me some advice about how you got to where you got to in your career? Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think that's a really nice uh, reframing and uh, it was a very useful piece of advice about advice. That's great advice you've just given me, Polly. And it's so true, though. Like, it's um, God. I was about to say I've come to learn. I'm I'm, pick, I'm painting myself as a very old man right now. People love hearing the sound of their own voice, and it's 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 not the best thing in the world, but it's just very true. People just love to give advice, and when you ask for advice, people do. Um, well, firstly, people just yeah, they they love giving it because they're adding value. Um, but also you're also kind of. Um, benefiting from another human being's advice and there's so much that you can learn from from everyone so I'd really kind of second that I 
it's kind of like asking for a job, particularly early on. It's like the equivalent of climb. I don't know. This is an awful analogy, but climbing a mountain and just trying to take the first step to the top. It's, it's a process, and there are lots of little, you know, paths. And again, the analogy is rubbish, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's it's it's, it's a process, and building relationships with people, asking for good advice, and showing that you have a really kind of you, you that you think really well and that you're asking good questions that means that down the line that person on the plane might think actually Polly asked those really good questions they were quite piercing I'm not used to people asking such high quality questions I'm going to give her a call because we've actually got a job going so I think that's definitely one really good way to think about networking rather than just kind of taking or, or anything like that so thanks for that yeah no absolutely and then I think um yeah some other pieces are you know, um, I think another great piece of advice I, I've received around networking is trying to, um, you know, first, well, two pieces. First of all, I think if, whenever possible, trying to give value back to another person. And I think yeah. sometimes when you're, you know, at the early stages of your career, it can be hard to feel like you have any value to add, but you do, you know, it might be that you have a friend who could be perfect for, for, the, for, some, for a company that you're talking to. And so maybe one day down the line, you'll be able to to help connect those people so that's one so try and think about ways you might be able to add value and then secondly um a great tip is if you do get the opportunity to kind of have a a coffee or a chat with somebody in an industry that you're interested in see if they can introduce you to somebody else Um, and i think don't be afraid to ask for that just say look this has been so helpful always be polite be authentic be genuine and, you know, if it really has been helpful, then see if there's somebody else that they might know um, who could help you um, and can, and, and that way, uh, you know, your network's going to grow. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually just thinking of it now, <laughs> I probably should have thought of it before, but quite ironically, in a good way, the result of this conversation is us <laughs> networking with each other, isn't it really? So yeah. <laughs> for, for, for listeners, uh, we were introduced uh, by a colleague of mine and, and I think it was just before I moved to the US to try and kind of expand our own edtech startup to the US. And, and my colleague was like, oh, Polly seems to know how to do that. And she, she knows her stuff. So we had a chat and you gave me some really useful advice. And then instead of just approaching it as a like, let me steal stuff from you we just had a great conversation about all sorts of things we both did teach first and we we had calls like once a month for a couple or once every couple months and um and now i'm you know like doing my doing my bit here and there to try and help you with this new uh, career change that you're having and it's just become a really awesome uh reciprocal relationship which just came out of an email introduction and, and here you are on the grad life podcast <laughs> I know exactly, and I think that's um, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing, and I think that um, it can be really organic when you you know when when the right connections are made, like you're saying right here, and um, it doesn't have to be um, something like where you've got some big plan or scheme in place. It's just like you're meeting somebody else with shared interests and some shared goals, and you're probably going to be able to help each other out at some yeah. point. And yeah, and absolutely. and you yeah. And then, and, uh, and then, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I was just going to say university is a fantastic place for that. And I think that was something which sometimes I didn't appreciate at the time. Um, but I think there were other people who were very good at that at university. And so I think that um, just keeping that in, in mind 
you know, as you're meeting people on your course um, and people with shared, shared interests, um, yeah, how you can form these authentic and organic relationships that might be able to, um, yeah, help each other out as you both navigate the, the weird world of career <laughs> post uni. And I love the words you use there, like authentic mm-hmm. and organic. I think mm-hmm. the reason networking has a bad um, rep, which is very reasonable, is that there are some folks who are like in it for themselves and see networking as, as, a, as a game to be played. But I think if you just approach it from an authentic, authentic organic and <laughs> authentic place of reciprocity, I think you can't really go wrong because worst case scenario, you end up with a new friend, which, you know, which is in the end of the world. Um, we are... Um, we are moving quickly and I, I also want to hear about what you're doing um, right now because you mentioned that you're recently kind of uh, having a little shift so please please share with our listeners what, what you've been up to recently and, and, and what's next for you. Yeah so I am um, I recently just finished uh, some work with a uh, education technology company based in San Francisco and um, very recently as in Friday and so we're here on Sunday so um the you know what I'm gonna be doing now uh, for the next few months is really taking some time to do some um, consulting some freelance work with different education companies um offer you know uh my, my services in terms of marketing and um account management and sales and um also take this time to pursue a passion which I've slightly put on hold since graduating university, which is around uh, creative writing. And I've decided that, you know, with the whole world kind of hit pause as we're in uh, COVID-19 to to give myself this time um, to pursue that dream. So that's scary, but really exciting. And um, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where that goes. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned that writing is something mm. that you've kind of, that's been on your mind for a while when you were at university or very early on in your career, was there a reason why you kind of pushed that back and, and like what caused you to make that decision? And, and yeah, I'm just curious to hear about that. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of it was um, fear. I mm. think that, you know, for anybody who's thinking of pursuing um, a career in, you know, in acting or writing or film directing, Um, those are very unstable career paths. Um, And so I think that can be really daunting. And um, I I think I was, I was, I was scared. I didn't know kind of, okay, how, how am I going to earn money? How am I going to support myself? Um, And then of course, I also, as I mentioned, had this um, pull towards um, doing something which I felt had this kind of positive impact on society. And I think, you know, I'm, I just, I think one of the reasons that writing got put on pause was I just got um, really consumed with within my job in a great way. Um, I've been really fortunate. I had an amazing time teaching. I've had an amazing time working in startups, but um, I'm just not, I'm, I'm a bit of an all or nothing person sometimes. So I'm trying to, now that I'm about to hit 30, I'm trying to find some more balance. Um, sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple of um, kind of questions, kind mm-hmm. of quick fire questions, but I mean, mm-hmm. no rush to, to, to finish this off mm-hmm. with. And the first one is, what's your favorite book? 
My favorite book is Sometimes a Great Notion by Ken Kesey, which is so, a... Yeah, go on. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's a book. It's written in the 1960s and it's... Uh, uh, Ken Kesey also wrote One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, which is the more famous. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, about like um, a family in California in the 60s. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I tried to read Harry Potter when I was 12 and got to the first page and gave up. And since then, I'm not sure I've, I've read many fiction books. So I'm, I'm a big non-fiction <laughs> person. So I think we can have a, 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 a debate about that later on. And, and what's a quote that you like to live by or that you think people can live, can live by? Uh, so this is a, a great quote. Uh, Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power and magic in it. Uh, that quote is uh, supposedly from Goethe. There's actually some debate about whether he did say that or not. I don't really care. I just love the sentiment and that, you know, if you've got a dream, um, just start to follow it, begin it. You don't have to have yeah. it all worked out. Just, just dive in and try. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of quotes that have mm -hmm. a similar thing, like the one, mm -hmm. the uh, Chinese proverb about every, every journey starts with the first step and, and all that stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and can you, um, can you talk about anyone in your life who's been particularly inspiring to you, uh, either that you do know or that, or that you don't know? Yeah, I think there's lots of, uh, lots of people that um, have inspired me. And I think uh, some famous p people, uh, it's funny you mentioned Harry Potter, JK Rowling, I think is incredibly oh, um, inspiring. I hit a there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Ollie, oof, I'm in, I'm in Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, JK Rowling, I think it's very inspiring. Um, I think um, some people, you know, closer to home, I think I've been, I'm being really inspired by some of my friends um, who've kind of, uh, you know, people, uh, I'm inspired by my family, by my mom, by my dad. Um, so yeah, I think there's my, uh, lots of people I take inspiration from, um, every day and, and really, um, yeah, I feel lucky, I feel lucky to have that. Awesome. Gratitude is such a <laughs> important part of, of happiness, <laughs> isn't it? Um, what is a top tip that you, I know you've already given a couple around, like <laughs> do as much as possible or try as much as possible rather. What's a top tip that you would give a current university or college student right now? Yeah, I think um, take advantage of the services the university offers you. I think that's one thing that I didn't really realize until I started working with universities later. Mm. Like universities have a ton of career resources, career services, career advice. Um, you know, seek them out, see what you can, see what you can learn there, see what kind of, connections you can start to build maybe they can help connect you with some mentors or, or people who might be able to help guide you so that would definitely be one piece of advice awesome thank you um mm -hmm. and what about a, a top or mm, like what do you wish you'd have known early on in your career that you now know i think um one thing that i wish i'd really allowed to kind of sink in is that remember that you're building a career, not just a job. And so um, what I mean by that is that it's okay to try something that you're not quite sure how it's going to fit into the big picture. Um, or maybe it's, you know, so for example, if you want to lead a company one day, taking an initial job in sales or marketing, that might not be the, you know, you might not quite have the, 
the journey figured out from A to B, but that's, that's the whole beauty of it. That's the whole mm. beauty of starting your career is, you know, you, you have all of this opportunity to learn and grow and just remember, um, yeah, you're, you're putting steps in place for long-term success. Mm. And that, that piece of advice is, I think, particularly relevant mm. for the up and coming generations. I, I read some mm. studies or at least I, I read an article about some studies, to be honest, <laughs> about how millennials are likely to have anywhere between 10 and 25 jobs throughout their lifetime. And Gen, Gen Z are likely to have anywhere between 25 and 50 jobs in their lifetime. So the world, our parents' world of kind of having the same job for 10 to 20 to 30 years is getting rarer and rarer by the day as the economy becomes more diversified and artificial intelligence and all that funky stuff. Um, so I love, I really love that advice that I, I think everyone needs to hear. Final question uh, for you, Polly, is um, what is the best advice you've ever received? And it can't be the advice of the professor on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already given. Um, and also you've, you've clearly been in the States too long, Ollie. You said Gen Z, not Gen Z. Um, so, oh no! You know. <laughs> oh no! Okay, I, it's, it's happened. I was uh, the day was always going to come. <laughs> um, best advice, um, I think, was from uh, or a really great piece of advice was from uh, my boss at the first startup that I worked in in Boston, and um, I, I think this is paraphrasing a little bit, um, but basically. The, the sentiment was if you want something it's okay to ask for it and I think that that uh, was a bit of a uh, British versus American model um, but maybe some of that co uh, lack of confidence being younger and, and, and just not kind of putting it out there if you want something just ask for it why is that a bad thing I feel like um, that took me a while to learn and it's a uh, it's really changed my outlook. Um, so that would be my, yeah. my piece of advice. <laughs> that is brilliant advice. I think we all need to take more because I think particularly as, as Brits in America, like it's, you see people asking and you're like, this makes me so uncomfortable, but it's, it's so important to be able to vouch for yourself. Right. Exactly. And, and just approaching things from that place of positive strength and not, you know, seeing yourself as you have value to bring to an organization, to a company um, in the same way that they have value to give you. And it really should be like a partnership rather than some weird old fashioned hierarchy where it's like you're a worker bee and I'm the queen bee. No, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's, let's reinvent that. So, yeah, I love that. What, what a beautiful way to finish the podcast. <laughs> Polly, thank you so much. Um, it's nearing 11 p.m. here, so it's, it's bedtime for me. But I really appreciate the time um, that uh, you've, you've taken to be on this podcast. If people wanted to reach out to you, um, what would be a good way for them to do uh, for them to do that? Yeah, uh, find me on LinkedIn, Polly Goss. That's a great way to, to connect with me. Um, and uh, they can also always feel free to, um, yeah, uh, find me on Twitter as well, Polygos1, I believe it is. So either of those places, great ways to find me. Uh, awesome. But yeah, please get, please get in touch if you have any questions. Um, yeah, and thanks for having me, Ollie. This has been fun. Not at all. I've actually been avoiding saying your last name the whole thing because I was scared I'd mispronounce it. I wish, <laughs> I wish I'd asked you first, but now you've said it, it's, it's probably Goss. Polly, thank you so much, yeah. and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Ollie. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.